The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Welcome to Port Fan Radio, power. sponsored and powered by New Vision. This is Rick Neuenhoven. Um, and welcome to the Big Footy Podcast for our sixth season and also our third show for 2018. I hope everyone's having an awesome start to the week, even though we're drinking our sorrows from Sunday's loss to West Coast and Robbie's suspension. And tonight I have with me Cameron McLean, all the way from Western Australia, a, a Perth native, I assume, Cameron? Uh, well, firstly, look, th- thanks for having me on the show tonight, Rick. I uh, really appreciate it. Love what you're doing with this, and uh, it's, it's great to be a part of it. But, yeah, look, I, I live here. I'm a, I'm a South Australian a long way back. But, um, yeah, spent most of my time in Perth. And uh, But, but ma- all, all through it, mate, I've managed to stick with, uh, stick with Port Adelaide. Good work. So um, the chat room's quiet, so I'm hoping people can hear. So we'll just continue on... Um, whilst uh, we're waiting for some feedback. Uh, but what is the Cam, McLean and Port story? How, what's the linkage? When did you start following? Okay. What's your passion? Yep. All that sort of stuff. Yes. Well, look, uh, lots of people ask me that. Obviously, living in WA, I get a question a lot, so it's an easy one to answer. Um, so, as I say, I was I was born in South Australia. When I was actually funny, when I was a toddler, even in my in my first sort of four or five years of life, my dad used to take me to the footy all the time. Um, I didn't care much for it, but he was a Sturt supporter, and uh, so it, I think it was generally intended that I would be a Sturt supporter. But uh, look, my my mum's a Norwood supporter, um, and what actually happened? My my parents had separated when I was quite young, so. Um, what eventually happened is that that uh, moved up to the Northern Territory with Mum. Uh, we didn't have a lot of exposure. This was the early eighties. Didn't I? Didn't have a great deal of exposure to the footy. But then we're in this small mining town, and these these kids, uh, this family moved in from Victoria, and they were mad Collingwood supporters. And they used to get around with their Collingwood Guernseys and and that. And they they loved it. And so I just thought, well, I said to Mum one day, look, who, who are the Magpies in Adelaide? And she said, oh, that, that's Port Adelaide, but no one likes them because they're really dirty. And so suddenly I felt a sense of pride. <laughs> and so since I was about seven or eight, so that, that, that's when it was, I've, I've been a Port Adelaide supporter ever since. Um, did have to make the call, the phone call back to, uh, back to my dad in Adelaide to ask him to buy me a Port Adelaide jumper. And I don't know that that went down too well, but... Uh, like I said, the rest is history, and um, I've been been with the club uh, here to stay. Uh, fortunately, I, I, look, I've I've got two kids, and uh, they were both born in WA, but uh, they were born with a privilege that that I wasn't, in that um, they they were born as Port Adelaide supporters. And if anyone ever asks them why do you barrack for Port Adelaide, and the answer is basically, well, because of my dad. It's interesting um, to know. So that... that's that's the Cameron McLean Port Adelaide story, Rick. Essentially, there's, there's a lot more I could I could tell about uh, you know living over here. And, and... <laughs> I was going to say it's interesting. Uh, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Um, are you all right? Can you hear me? Hello. I can't hear you, Rick. 
You've lost me. Yeah, Crikey. I think I, I just can now, mate. Yes. Yeah, I think I think your reception Hello? might. Yeah, I think your reception might be a little. Oh, bit... I haven't, have I? No. Oh no. It was good. I was going. He he's broken up my joke with poor reception. I was going to say. So when I'm, a Norwood supporter I'm, and a Sturt supporter. I'm moving, support... mate. I'm I'm moving. Yeah. Oh, this mo- isn't good. Keep moving. It's all right. Don't worry. There's only there's only a few people listening. We'll be okay. But it's, <laughs> it's good to hear that when a Port yeah. support uh, when a Norwood supporter and a Sturt supporter um, breed, they create yeah, Port supporters. <laughs> but. Um, all right, see if you can find a better spot. But yeah, um, um, yeah I'm I'm walking around, mate. So that's we'll a, just, actually you that's keep pretty, talking. That's pretty good, Cam. I reckon. Uh, you, I reckon you, you keep going, mate. And I'll um. You're pretty good there. I uh, I won't tease you anymore, seeing you're under pressure now. Right here. I'm, I'm, yeah, perfect. And I love right that here. story. So um, All right, mate. that's a that's a great passionate story and. Uh, Let's rock and roll. So what I wanted to talk about first and foremost is the, the hot topics from the weekend with you. And Robbie Gray, unfortunately, lost yep. his challenge from his report. Uh, head high on McGovern and he's out for the first game. He's still eligible for the Brownlow. Not that I'm sure he's worried too much about that. But you were at the <laughs> game. What did you think? Did you think he was in trouble with his collision? Look, when I first, when I first, yeah, you can hear me okay now, Rick? Perfect, mate. Okay. When I first saw it, I was actually right in front of where it happened. And my initial thought was, oh, I'm a little bit worried. And I, and I sort of knew deep down that because I thought that, there, there's probably an issue here. Now, my, I, I really felt, though, that when he was going for the ball, or, or when they were both going for the ball, he did what he had to do really to prevent a, a head collision, a double head collision. He actually looked like he braced himself. He was really just bracing himself because, as we know in football, you can't pull back. You, you, you can't stand back and, and pull out of the contest. So I think it's a – I think the, the, the final result of it, I'm really pleased with the club that they tried to defend it, but it, it's, it's very hard to defend what happened, particularly because uh, the head was involved. Yeah, I, I sort of thought it was predictable that he was going to get rubbed or the decision was going to be upheld. I mean, he was unlucky. Uh, you know, McGovern sort of twisted just at that fraction of a second at the end, which sort of opened his head up a little bit more, I guess, as well. And, you know, it's just a footballing collision. And, um, yeah, it's just very unlucky. Yeah. Uh, for Robbie and uh, hey it was a perfectly executed bump however and I was impressed he, he, he was he was able to keep his elbow in and tucked in um, yeah so it is what it is yeah oh look one of the other really worrying things for me was the fact that McGovern did stay down for quite a while and I mean you know he's um McGovern's a big bloke and he's he's fairly tough and he did stay down a while and I thought well this isn't this isn't going to look good. Um, uh, disappointment though too. I was really looking forward to seeing how McGovern went um, because he is a very good defender, good good intercept mark and uh, I did actually want to see our forwards uh, test themselves against him. So that that was a little bit unlucky too. Yeah, very good point and I um, I've got to uh, I've got to admit I guess it covers up Paddy Ryder's sloppy um, indiscretion with his punch in the guts. He got reported and out, 
<laughs> game last year for doing something very similar. And, um, you know, it's uh, for a trial game, it's pretty poor, pretty sloppy. And, um, you know, I thought there was patches um, with Paddy as well where he sort of went missing and was unaccountable to Vardy in a way. And Vardy was looking a lot better than what he should. So I think uh, Robbie sort of masked the uh, ill discipline of uh, Paddy Ryder for a little bit there. Yeah, I have to agree. Because um, something happened with um, with Paddy. I think he, he copped a fine uh, for, for something grand. in the game. Two grand for, yeah. for a little love tap in the in the stomach. Oh yeah, that's that's right. And I, I didn't even see it. Didn't even didn't even know it happened until I, I saw something about it in the news. Look, it was innocuous, um, but it was unnecessary. It was late, and he just sort of did a round arm swing into the uh, the abdomen and. Uh, yeah, I don't know, you know, yep. he winded the guy, but, you know, it's just poor yep. discipline and, you know, we need to be better than that. I guess the other um, the other hot topic from the weekend was this racist slur and uh, Eddie Dingle, who's a big footy uh, fanatic and long-time supporter, asked, can you discuss with yourself why when the club does so much good in, and is an industry leader on Indigenous issues... We have a number of now public issues with racist something scum. Um, I guess it doesn't matter if it was Indigenous or African. It doesn't even really matter if it's a West Coast supporter or a Port supporter or any um, uh, footy club. I mean, these are actions, as far as I'm concerned, of poor-minded individuals and um, maybe a little bit uneducated in, um, in the broader society that we have now. And um, it's just disappointing that this sort of stuff continues in AFL or continues in um, soccer or any sporting form. It's just completely unnecessary and, and very narrow-minded. He, maybe, there was, maybe there might be an opportunity for him in the um, Victorian Police Force, however. <laughs> yeah, look, I, um, I can't believe it's, it's happened these couple of times with our club. I mean, our, our club is... is as you say, there's probably the industry leader in this sort of thing. Uh, we, you know, half the, a lot of the reason we got Paddy Ryder was because of the work we do for um, Indigenous development. Um, I know Motlop was very, uh, very pleased with it. And our club does so much for it. And to have these people, part of me says, uh, look, I, I hope it's a member because then he, then they can actually be punished and banished and you know, can be properly dealt with. But other part of me says I hope they're not a member because you know that uh, that just doesn't look good on our members. Um, it's look, we're not soccer. Um, you know, we don't want to be like that, and it's really disappointing. So you know, Port Adelaide supporters, pull your heads in if if you are going to be like that. But I know that most of us aren't. So well, hey, look. Yeah, the club came up and came out and said it wasn't a port. Well, to their knowledge, it wasn't a port supporter. Uh, they don't know Good. if it, it was a supporter of either club yet. So, um, so I guess okay. uh, from that perspective, it might be good news. But overall, it's uh, still horrendous news. And I guess the only thing I it, I think about is is like a permanent life ban really the um, um, the solution to this because all it's going to do with that individual is actually build greater resentment and probably even harness this, this, his hate um, to different sections of society even more. You know, I really think there needs to be more um, educational and awareness programs with a lot of people that seem to have those mindsets. And, um, 
you know, with maybe a, um, a short, like a suspension for a couple of years or whatever. But I think throwing away the key forever, I don't know if that actually helps the issue. But anyway, that's this is a light-hearted show, so we can uh, continue on. Um, I've got supporters divided. I guess supporters aren't divided at the result at this point in time <laughs> of the season. I mean... As a Port supporter, Cam, how are you feeling? Are you a bit deflated with the loss, or you, you're you just are you one of these supporters that it's just a preseason game and it doesn't matter, and uh, yeah. we just continue on? Uh, yeah, not at all concerned. Um, look, I, I I sat there with with my son and I, I we we were both sitting there watching it, and um, I said to him, I'm I'm really enjoying this. This is is probably the most uh, relaxed I've been for a long time sitting watching a port game because uh, obviously I was I was kind of looking at it quite closely and analysing, see, seeing who was on, who was off, and everything. Particularly when you and I'll talk, I can talk about this a bit more, but particularly when you look at uh, say from partway through the third quarter through all the way through the last quarter, some of the players that weren't on the ground and weren't playing and weren't in certain positions, I thought, yeah, it looks like there's a bit of management going on. There's a bit of, uh, they're, they're trying a few things out. I, after the game, I walked over to the the, port, the WA Port supporters crew and I had a chat with uh, Andy Jeeks there, who's the, 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 the head of the cheer squad. And, and me and him were having a chat. And we said, ah, look, it was a practice match. You know, the, a few people sort of said to me, what, what did you think? What did you think of the loss? And I said, look, it was good to see the boys have a hit out and have a bit of a run around and um, try a few people out in different positions. Yeah, I mean, look, it's that's definitely um, what the pre-season's for. Uh, I guess I'm a little bit disappointed after a lot of the close losses that we've had throughout the last few seasons and especially against West Coast. There was a perfect opportunity on Sunday to actually practice under pressure set plays, um, and we didn't really do that very well. Saying that, Jetta bombed it from sixty-five meters out. I mean, it's pretty hard to defend, <laughs> a, you know, a guy shooting from sixty-five meters out and scoring a great goal. Um, but saying that, it would have been nice to have seen a bit of um, structure to try and hold on for a win in a game, and it, it wasn't there. Uh, I put I have here some other notes. The ump said it again, blowing the whistle. I thought, um, geez, that were, and that's why I called this show the push. Um, geez, how many pushes were there in the first half, and especially the first quarter? It was just uh, crazy. I, I thought maybe the players were forgetting what the rules of pushing the back were, were these days. Yeah, yeah, you're not far off actually, um, and and you would have you you might have noted yourself. Uh, I, I don't know whether you did or not, but. Early in that second quarter, Atley gave away a free kick on Shuey. And to me, again, it was the duck. You know, Shuey's just got this thing down pat. And I thought, oh, come on, the umpires have fallen for him again. So, um, but yeah, you're right. There, there was a lot of that. I, I think in the end, in the free kick count, um, obviously there was a bad connection in my office, mate. So I don't have the stats in front of me now. I've, I've had to move out to the, the kitchen. Um, so uh, I, I don't think there was a lot in it with the free kick count no. in the end. No, no, look, some, so, some, some, yeah. some port supporters were a bit angry at the umps, but you know, I don't think we could be blaming the umpires, and we need to get over that one. Um, I yep. think the umps were paying it both ways, but um, 
Yeah, yep. I just think uh, I just think yeah, there was just so many free kicks early on in the game. It was just it was <laughs> yeah. just outrageous. And uh, players, what are you doing? You, you know, it's preseason, but we know. And what are your thoughts on the um, the silver jumper? Just quickly, Cameron, do you, do you like it? How is it live, or do you not like it? I like it. Like, I think yeah, absolutely. I, I find it a little bit more bit more marketable the white and um I, I don't know it's sort of yeah I, I, I quite enjoy it stick with it bit, it's a bit of a manly color isn't it i don't mind it either <laughs> yeah i, I look it's it, it adds a little bit of um i, I don't know there's there's sort of a little bit of something extra to it it, it adds a bit of the silver to us so it's something a little bit la raiders about it but um no i quite quite enjoy it and i think yeah if we can go go with it as our away jumper yeah, great work. All right, let's get into a bit of a game discussion. See, we've sort of started started on it already. So basically, West Coast beat Port Adelaide eight goals eight to eight goals six. Some of the key stats: Port had fifty less disposals, three more clearances, lost contested possession, and tackles. Uh, we had an even spread of possession winners for the game. No real standout star compared to West Coast. Barry uh, was top possession getter with 20. Uh, Pittard and Amon with 19. Boke 18, Westhoff 17, and it sort of trailed off from there. So, it And as you sort of intimated, there seemed to be a lot of player management. So what did you, firstly, what did you see uh, from the game and what were your observations? And let's uh, let's share some thoughts there. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I think, look, actually, I'll, I'll give a a bit of a rundown. Uh, so I, I watched the first half at roughly ground level. Uh, I was more uh, in a in a bit of a pocket, so I saw very closely our forward line in the first quarter, and then our back line in the the second quarter. And I went a bit more elevated in the second half. So um, first quarter, I think actually what I saw early. There was a lot of pressure from both sides, and yeah, you know, we talk about the pushing in the back and and everything. There was actually a lot of fumbling um, from both sides, and I don't think that helped. the The ball spent a lot of time uh, being dropped and on the ground, and I think that that's how players end up uh, landing on top of each other and hands in the back and everything. Is, um, um, just quickly on that, was it? Do you think that was the conditions? How hot was it? Like, yeah, was it just slippery, and people were, and players were fatiguing. Yeah, look, early, it was quite a heavy day. Um, early that morning, there was a big thunder and lightning storm. Uh, and then the, the cloud disappeared. And so we, it was sunny. It was, it was like one of those days in Thailand or Singapore or something like that. You just, you just sat there sweating. So I could imagine what the players were, were going through. Um, ball would have been very slippery. Uh, so, um, Look, they, like I said, they did get a lot of the early frees. One of the things I did notice early on was how Don Barry got himself into the game. Uh, he started on the wing and he seemed to find a fair bit of space early. Uh, we all know, I think around his third or fourth disposal was, I think, the first goal of the game. And so we start, I started to notice uh, that, that he was really asserting himself. Um, by the second quarter... Uh, that now I got to see the back line very closely, and this is where I started to see this short kicking that everyone's talking about. Now, it it was quite frustrating. A lot of the this short kicking across half back and everything, we we were struggling to break the lines. When we did, when, when we did break through that half back, I noticed that 
Jack Watts is quite a handy target around the middle of the field to be able to link up. Uh, I think he's going to do a really good job there uh, as you know another tall option as a centre half forward for us. Um, what, what did you see of Jack yourself? Did, what do you think of him? Oh, look, I think uh, Gary Lyons a little bit bitter. I heard his um, um, his report on Jack. You know, was very poor, unprofessional, yep. like just having a swipe at him. But I thought we were actually short a centre-half forward, though. We didn't spot that okay. centre-half forward target. Not to say that yep. he wasn't uh, there. I don't think we maybe used him enough, and I think that might have been something you could have picked up live um, more so than on TV. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I thought uh, Barry was probably the standout for me with his effort, and we seemed to lack some run from the half-back flank, and, which is amazing yep. when you think we've got Barry, we've got Pittard, we've got um, Bonner all there that are our running, linking players with the midfield from the half-back flank. So uh, I thought, yeah. we, from my observation anyway, I thought we had lacked a little bit of courage with our run and carry, um, which then resulted yep. in us um, doing that long bomb, you know, to the around the, the our 50-metre arc to the forwards, which it, it looked good when it paid off, but um, it, I don't think that's our ideal play. I'd rather our forwards um, set deeper and we have a, a centre-half forward presence, which should be Jack Watts, I would guess, or um, or, or Justin Westhoff. Those two would probably be running a decoy and the other one being the spot-up player and and hitting up that mark around 80 metres, allowing us to then deliver deep into the um, into our forward 50. And I, that was probably the most disappointing thing uh, from me because that, it seemed like we were playing the game style from last year without too much variety. Is that what you sort of oh, took out of it? Yeah. Yeah, look, my my thoughts, I mean, Jack Watts seemed to have quietened down a little bit in the, the second half. In the first half, I, I thought his work rate wasn't too bad. I think it was just a case of positioning and getting it right um, as to where he was. I, I did feel that um, I thought defensive, his defensive game wasn't too bad. I saw him, um, you know, if he if he didn't get there, he would still chase, he would still tackle. Um, Pittard was... Pittard really... Pittard really impressed me uh, on Sunday. Now, it was around the second quarter I started to see a fair bit more of him. Uh, that that was when he came a lot more into it. Now, he, he was lining up a fair bit on the wing as well. Um, so the wing, through the wing, we, we sort of tended to have starting on the ball, starting on the wings, we'd have Barry, Pittard, um, West off a few times, Carl Amon. Um, so those guys tended to, you know, those guys were starting on the side. But Barry really, oh, I'll talk about Barry again. Really mm-hmm. managed to get a fair amount of um, fair amount of space. Um, third quarter, the very start of the third quarter, we we had what appeared to be, without say Rockliffe and maybe to some extent Wingard, we appeared to have our our starting, uh, I guess, our starting midfield. Lining up, we had Ebert was in there uh, doing some good things. We had Pal Pepper, we had Ollie Wines. But partway through the third quarter, and we were actually do- we were doing really well in the middle, but partway through the th- third quarter, Ebert came off. And that was when things, um, that was when I felt things started to drop off. But we we're also starting to use in the middle more Trengove and Attlee and some of these guys. Mm. Um and and that was when, like I say, that was when we started to drop off and where I started to think, okay, there, there's a bit of management going on here. 
And I think they're trying a few things out. You know, let's 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 give Trengove a, a go and see how he goes in there. They were rota- like I said, that they were rotating the wings a fair bit, and so it, it just kind of felt like they were trying a lot out um, around that stage. Yeah, I noticed that on TV as well. We sort of had them there for five minutes and then they disappeared and they didn't come back again. And that and that makes sense. There's no point just playing them the whole time. You've got to give them a go. I thought Atley um, was serviceable. Yep, he made a definitely. Of, he made a couple of little errors, but I thought he was clean enough uh, overall for his whole performance. Um, and he's showing some, some good signs. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I know there's a lot of Amon love out there. My old uh, colleague Macca <laughs> loves him to death. I still think like he just lacks a little bit of awareness, a little bit of intensity, and he drops off with his disposal at times. So I'm still not convinced on that one as a uh, as a midfielder. Um, yep. But yeah, look, I think we were cruising, and I I don't know it's, it it does I don't know if it, it's I don't know it's a practice game, but look, I'd still would have loved the boys to have that hunger and intensity to win and and uh, and drive it home. And uh, I guess yep. that was a little bit disappointing. Uh, from that regard, but it was good to good to see the kids. And I thought Trengove, um, I mean, he got about eleven disposals, so he didn't set the world on fire. But I thought he did some good things as well. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he comes round one. I'm I'm not convinced he'll be uh, in the uh, starting team. But if we get a couple more suspensions and injuries, you never know. He might be in there. Oh, look, I agree. There were a couple of little things he did that that were great. But but you're right. You, I would like to have seen him do more now. This is where, look, I agree with you, probably not a starting 22 at the moment. But the other guy, we'll, we'll go back to Atley because, uh, all right, he, he's probably my new, uh, my new love child in a sense that um, I just a number of things I saw him do. He's very strong. Uh, he's very strong in the legs. Uh, he manages to break through players. He's quite good in the in the tight contest, in the, in the clearance contest. So if he's got players hanging off him, and you you see this in some of his Port Magpies highlights as well, he's quite good at breaking it and and just getting out. So um, also again, I'll, I'll say it again, a, a good defensive side to his play too. He's quite prepared to run, chase, and and provide a, a good spoil if necessary. So I'd like to see more development. Of Joey Atley, um, I, I think there's there's a good future there. Now, look, by say in the third quarter, fortunately for Jake Need, we started to see him resurface. But geez, he lost a lot of confidence. Uh, he he finally got a touchdown in the back pocket, took a mark, and just went, "Oh, quick! I better kick it off to Motlop." And it was an absolutely terrible kick, which turned it over, and it, it was I think Eagles might have scored off it. No. Uh, as much as I like Jakey Neat, I did feel sorry for him because I think he he was trying quite, he was trying fairly hard, but I think by late in the third quarter and the last quarter, the confidence was down a bit. Um, now, by the time we got to the last quarter, uh, I could tell there was a fair bit of fatigue. Sam Pelpepper just looked like he was gassed. Yeah. Um, he look, he was running towards a player, and and in, you know. In Sam Pepper style, you're, you're sort of waiting to see this this opposition player get, uh, as I like to say, peppered. Um, but he just didn't hit with the force, um, and, and that you know that that's okay. It's this time of year; he'll be fine. Um, Darcy Byrne Jones was good. He sort of seemed to get better as the game went on. Um, 
again, Robbie Gray was another only made a brief appearance in the second half. So, you know, we, we talk about management. Um, I really got the feeling that Jasper Pittard wants to play footy for our team this year. Yeah, uh, yeah he look, from some of the things I saw up close, he was, yeah, again, he was doing those things. He, someone who doesn't lack confidence in, in a pack or in a, in a um, congested situation. I saw him dodge about three or four players at one stage, uh, broke through the pack and got through and managed to get his kick away. It, it was good to see that with Jasper. And he looked like he was playing with a bit of energy. Um, mm. I really like him. I don't know how it looked on TV, but just I was trying to watch him up close and uh, and I was quite happy with it. How did he... Did, did you see much of him yourself on the on the screen? Well, I thought he used to. I th- thought he used the ball okay. I thought he, in the last quarter he got caught once, but look, everyone's going to get caught at times. So, I mean, I had yep. to watch it on my phone on AFL Live, so um, <laughs> it was hard to pick up the players. But I guess what was noticeable, I didn't notice a lot of that Jasper run that we've seen in seasons gone by. Um, yep. It's going back to what I was saying at the beginning. Um, you know, Barry was our main runner from the halfback lines. Um, but look, I mean, Pittard's an experienced player. He's a good player. I guess the, the question I had for you, um, seeing you were there, um, I just can't see us carrying into the one round one side, Homps, Jonas, um, Cleary and Howard out of those yep. four tall defenders. Who who do you think after the, that one trial game would you be putting your money on that will be missing out? Homps. Homps? Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, look... Um, I, I gotta say, so I love every port player, and they're, they're there for a reason. But um, straight away, I could I could probably comfortably say, you know, go through those players again, and and I think um, Homs for me is is just the one who's who might be just. You, you mentioned four players, wasn't it? There, uh, yeah. So you got I, Jonas I, and Cleary that are yeah. They're our two key it. defenders. Howard was, replaced Homps and is, was our third defender last year and yep. did fantastically well. And, and obviously Homps yes. is coming back from that hip injury which sort of plagued him last year. I, and that's that's where I think. And um, from memory, Howard is or Howard is a taller player than Homps as yeah. well. Howard's 199 uh, centimetres, that's right. Yeah, that, and um, uh, Homps is, uh, I can't think off the top of my head. 193. <laughs> there you go, six centimeters. Yeah. Um, and but as you say, for me, it comes down to that uh, towards the end of the season. There, uh, Howard was a good backup. There came in and started to show something. He he's part of the future there. Uh, he's got the height as a tall defender. I really like him. Homs has had his injury problems. Um, I just think Howard, you know, Howard's going to start to come through a bit more uh, as a more developed player Correct. or yeah. developing player. I think so. I mean, I'm not rolling a line through Homsch's career, but I, I think, no, yeah, I just think we need that diversity. Um, you know, have you know, Jonas I think's 192, Cleary's 193, Homsch's 193. Uh, we really need that flexibility of Howard to to man that tall player, and I guess. Uh, I couldn't see the structures on on the little phone, so um, yeah, I was a bit disappointed in the second quarter when Vardy got away a few times. I mean, I would have assumed, uh, you know, Howard probably would it should have been on that resting Ruckman went up forward, but uh, yeah, again, it, it was hard for me to see. So I don't, I don't, 
And I think you were saying you were getting Houston and Howard confused a little bit there at live at the game, and it must be that silver all blending in together. Uh, but I, I wanted to keep the keep it just pushing along. I guess we spoke about the long bomb. I thought that was a real disappointing aspect. We, you know, we were yep. sort of playing that you know Joe the Goose, Adelaide Crow sort of style, kick it long and run into the open goal, and that's how we got predominantly most of our goals. Um, uh, but even when we kicked it long, we were sort of plonking it above their heads and behind it. So um, that was sort of a symptom of something we did last year, I thought. And we mentioned the centre-half forward presence I thought was lacking. The other one, I, I don't know what if you noticed it, but I was a bit disappointed with our kick-out strategy. Um, we didn't have a great one last year. And again, we just seem to have no variety. Now, again, it's a practice game. I don't know if we're just trying to keep it up our sleeve. But we, you know, years gone by, we always yep. used to have a great kick-out target we've got a plenty of tall targets now but we just don't seem to have a very good kick out strategy it's very vanilla from my perspective no look you're quite right in fact actually what it seems to be is a, a short kick uh a short kick to someone potentially around uh, you know the, the the 30 35 meter mark or whatever and then <laughs> where we're really breaking down is after that. But I did see one stage uh, there was a kick out to I can't remember the player. It, it might have been um, oh, it might have been Dan Houston or someone like that. Uh, it was fumbled. We were we were lucky enough to recover it, and we, we've sent the ball straight down the corridor and we've managed to end up kicking a goal out of it. But the problem, the thing was. On the other side of that, it was a fumble and it was almost a straight-out turnover and every scoring opportunity for West Coast. Uh, by sort of late in the third quarter, and particularly the last quarter, they were running us around in that in that back line. Uh, we, we were running in circles. As you say, you know, we, we were using the short man and the short pass and they were just blocking us down there. And we were lacking that kick over the top and, and free run to someone. Um, yeah, th- that was probably the one of the most frustrating parts of, of the game plan. Now, look, there are probably people out there who went to the convention and, and know what... You know what the club's plan is around that, but um, I don't know. I, I'm hoping for something better. Yeah, and that's what a practice game is. I mean, you'd hope to see a few snippets here and there where um, to give us a little bit of hope, but I didn't see too much. Um, I also thought the midfield was unaccountable for a significant portion of the game, um, which contributed to us losing. And I guess the other the other thing that was a bit of an alarm bell for me again against a better opponent we weren't able to kick a very high score. Um, eight goals, six for the game. Um, you know, that's beat, that was our Achilles heel in 2017. Um, so again, we showed against a, you know, a reasonable, strong op- opponent, we, uh, we weren't able to kick uh, you know, 14 to 16 goals, which is probably what we're going to need to win those games. So, so they were the, uh, the other concerning factors for me, especially the midfield being unaccountable. Yeah. Oh, look, you're right. I, 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 did, I must admit, I did wanted to see more scoring out of that forward line. Uh, with, you know, it's a, it's a big talking point for us. I mean, last year we had the most. Uh, didn't we have? I think we had the most inside fifties of any right. side. Yeah. Uh, yet, yet we were we were the most inefficient when it got there. So, um, I did notice at one stage the ball went down to a reasonably crowded forward line. 
I guess with something that, that looks quite reasonably disciplined from a forward line perspective, um, Charlie went up, but fortunately no one else did. Uh, a lot of players stayed down, which was handy. I don't think we scored from it, but I thought, well, look, at, at least the smaller guys uh, know their role. And look, we'll be better with uh, Rockcliffe back in. And as Porsche pointed out, he might force Atley out of the side. Um, I don't know if we can carry Atley, Rockcliffe, Wines, and Sam Powell Pepper. Um, but yeah, they'll you know those players missing will definitely help. But I tried not to reflect on that because I'm positive West Coast had equally amount the amount of people out as well. So um, yeah, it's all swings and roundabouts. Um, best players I had: Barry, Dixon, Boak, Amon. Um, did you have anyone different? You probably would have thrown Pittard in there, I guess. <laughs> you, you beat me to it. <laughs> yes, I, I definitely had. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably mainly just add Pittard to that. Um, you've got to remember, um, Paddy Ryder got twenty nine hitouts too, so reasonably influential uh, in the you know in the stoppages and that. But um, yeah, he he actually did. Paddy Ryder played a lot of that game and, and would have been fairly tired after it. Six kicks, no handballs. Four contested possessions, so yeah, uh, twenty nine hitouts. Yeah, I, I thought he was just a little bit unaccountable himself. I think he let yeah. Vardy, I think he let Vardy run off him a little bit, and you know Vardy really isn't that good, but um, he uh, he probably made Vardy look a little bit better. Uh, but happy to uh, stand corrected on that one. I thought we'd have a quick feature chat um, on Michael Voss and. The other controversial thing that came out before the start of the show was uh, I posted up on uh, on the social media site uh, at 7 o'clock, tune in, do radio show hosts uh, do the show naked? And um, so the question is, oh. is one of us naked? But Adam Hartlett came out and confessed that he was naked last week. So um, oh, well, there you look- go. I'm I'm still I'm still sitting in my office at, at work and um, I don't know. Once the door closes, all the gear comes off. So yeah, look, I, I didn't realise people still wore clothes after five o'clock. Yeah, I, I just put it down to my dulcet tones. <laughs> That's what it is. So I want to have a quick feature chat on a coach before the season starts, and I I thought I'd start off with the most controversial one outside of Ken Hinckley, I guess, which is Michael Voss. Um, he's into his fourth year now as a coach of the Port Adelaide Footy Club on the Big Forty forums. It was discussed this year. Uh, was he sorry this today this week? Uh, was he uh, given a five-year contract or a four-year contract? I was under the impression he was under a four-year contract. People are thinking he's under a five-year contract. Um, it may. I, I was thinking about him because I thought the midfield was unaccountable um, on the weekend, and I guess. Uh, I heard that the people at the um, at the members con- conference um, consortium, whatever it is, um, they they thought Michael spoke well, and you know, he showed highlights of how um, you know how players weren't performing at stoppages to his expectation. But I guess my question is, when is it uh, we stop blaming the players for not fitting the structure, and we look at the coach? Because at the end of the day, the coach is the one that's supposed to drill these players to adhere to his structures. So uh, where do you think Michael's at? Do you think he's under a bit of a torch this year, or do you think he's still doing a good job and he's okay? Look, I have to agree with you on on the accountability side of things. The the amount of notes I took saying how we were getting outrun by Gaff and Yo and uh, Sheed and all these guys. Um, Having said that, though... uh, Let's look at um, last. Let's just go back on last year. Now we, I think, uh, were number 
two in the comp for um, clearances. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we weren't quite so high in possession. Now, like I said, I've had to move away from my computer to get a reception. But um, there, there was another stat that we were, we were quite significant on. I, I forgot what it is anyway. But um, I, I thought from that point of view, Vossi, Vossi probably hasn't done too bad a job. Now, you're right from – okay, so, so we've got to make sure that the midfield's accountable – um, now, the, the the midfield that he took on back in when what, must have been 2015 that he came on board yeah, with yeah, us. Yeah. Yep, that's right, 2015. Yeah, it, it it hasn't changed a great deal. I mean, obviously now he's got he's got Rockliffe in there, um, but you know he was years ago he was working on developing guys like Ollie Wines, um, Pollock. Uh, he's also added you know like a Sam Pelpepper. Uh, to to give us quite a mouth-watering midfield uh, when it comes to talent, strength, that sort of thing. So I don't really mind what he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, look, what do you, where do you think he's at? Do you think he's under pressure? I think he's under pressure. Uh, okay. I've been a little bit critical of him over, over the journey. Um, yeah, I guess he sort of dodged the bullet with last year's finals performance. Um but I guess, um, yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued to see how the midfield performs this year. I really think that he needs either, he needs Gray or Rockcliffe in that midfield a significant amount of time. And I believe we were managing Robbie with a groin adductor injury last year, which sort of held him out of the midfield. But we were, we, we sort of were lost without his composure and flair in there. So, um, yeah, I think he's going to have to choose wisely who he puts through there. But I, I'd suggest he needs Wines, Power Pepper, and either Boke or Rockcliffe uh, in there a significant amount of time to, to get the good results that we expect. I know 1954 from Big Footy asked, do you expect Voss will get a contract extension or has it already happened and he's just not aware of it? I guess we'll have to watch this space and see how the season progresses. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I would have no idea where, where he's at with that at the yeah, contracts. But, um, yeah, I, I agree on Rockliffe. Rockliffe could really make this. Uh, if, if, if this comes off well, could, could make it quite a good, uh, could be quite a good result for, for uh, Vossi. So this next segment, this is going to test you, my friend. This is, I've, I've picked 10 names. There's yep. a few, few tricky ones in there. And I've pulled it. <laughs> Will they make it or fake it for 2018? So I want you to tell me, do you think they're, the, they're going to make it and they're going to be the real deal or are they just faking it and they're, they're not really going to be the real deal? So the first okay. person we've got here is Jack Trengove. Is he going to make it or fake it in 2018? Oh, Now, he's probably the toughest one. Um, okay, I think Jack Trengove could make it. Right. So what are you yeah. what are you expecting? How many games do you reckon okay. he's going to play? Uh, look, I, I think he's going to... Uh, he, he might play... Jeez, uh, you got me on this one. He might play maybe 10 or 11, okay? Now, I know that's not making it, but I think he's going to be a call-up when, you know, when someone good is out or... Um, or they need some, you know, they, they need a, a smaller running player or something like that. I think he might almost be the first choice. Nice. I reckon Jack 
Yeah, he's a tough one. I reckon he'll. I reckon he'll yeah. make it, and I'm with you. I reckon he'll get about ten, eleven games, and I think he'll be good for about fifteen disposals and a bit of influence around the ground. The next controversial one, Carl Amon, will he make it or fake it in two thousand and eighteen? Look, um, make it. He he's he ran really well. Uh, I mean, look, I'm only going off one game, but but he ran really well. Um, he, he showed a lot, but he's he's he has to make it this year for himself. Yep. Or, yeah. Or for, for the or yeah. for the Port Port Adelaide Footy Club. Not for himself. Yeah, well, I know Mac is a big fan. He'd be going make it all the way, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna be. <laughs> I reckon he's gonna fake it. I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna get in early, but he's gonna drop out. That's uh, that's Rick's call. <laughs> what about Barry? Is he gonna make it or fake it? And how many games do you reckon he'll play? Make it, and I, I reckon he'll play 15 plus. Uh, look, the the guy can run. He's he's strong. He's he's got an AFL background anyway. You know, it's not like it's his first season. Um, yeah, I'm backing this guy. So, do you think he's going to push out? Um, you know, a, a Darcy Byrne Jones, Dan Houston. Uh, you know, Hamish Hartlett's a lock down there, especially after we had Adam on last week. So, like, how's he going to how's he going to fit into the the round twenty uh, the twenty two round one side? Who's he going to push out? <laughs> All right. Well, I reckon uh, there's a chance that Jared Pollock might not play round one uh, with his injury, and so I, I'm I'm not going to push anyone out. No, I'm just going to bank on on this injury. No, look, I think um, he can sort of play a bit of a role. Um, he can play a little bit all over the ground. He, he can move forward as well. So, I mean, he gives us a lot of versatility uh, with his run. So, I mean, you know. I, I haven't thought of who he's going to push out, but I, I really think he's a good chance to play round one. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's going to be a tough goal by the selectors. Uh, yep. Jasper Pittard, is he going to make it or is he going to fake it? He had a bit of a year last year. Yeah, I know. And look, if you talked to me a couple of weeks ago, I said, nah, look, he, he's going to struggle. But um, I saw a real hunger in him the other day, so I'll say he'll make it. And he should play most games, I would think. Yeah, I'm with you. Jasper's the man. I love his mm-hmm. goofy mo. He's, he's trending well. <laughs> what about Lindsay Thomas? Look, I'll say fake it. Um, I, I'll tell you, I was actually in, I was, uh, I was involved in an interview with Boomer Harvey last year, and he, we asked him about good players and good blokes. He said, North Melbourne, he was an absolutely ripping bloke. Uh, top guy, and he works so hard. He said you couldn't, be- you wouldn't believe he's so underrated for how hard he works, um, which probably isn't too difficult at North Melbourne. But um, you-, you probably look pretty good at North. But I don't know. I just didn't see a lot in him the other day. Also looked like he was hobbling a little bit at times. So I- I'm a bit worried about him. Yep. Yeah, I reckon he's going to fake it too. Uh, I think it. He's going to, unless we've got a, a raft of injuries, I think he's going to be pushing it to get into that um, forward line, in the, especially in the short yep. term. Uh, Laddams. Oh, fake it. Look, he's still a long way to go. He's tall. Uh, he's about 203 centimetres or something, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, still a lot of development to go there. He did play on the weekend, didn't he? Yeah, he did. <laughs> he I, didn't, did. I didn't really... I couldn't see him on... <laughs> even for 203, I couldn't see him on the phone. So... Uh, no. Did he do much? <laughs> Not really. Look, he was involved in the odd uh, pack, and and look, I did like he, he had his had his eye on the ball, 
Um, but he just looked like someone who was thrown in for his first game to say, see, here you go. And he, I think still a lot of work to go. What about Jimmy Tumpus? Jimmy Tumpus, uh, I, I could be on his way out. He, he wasn't there Sunday, was he? No. No, good. Thank God for that, because I'm thinking, yeah. I, I think he was initially named or something. Look, Tompas has struggled to get in the side last year, and I can't see what's going to improve this year. Joe Attlee, make it or fake it. Oh, I love this guy, but I see, okay, I see him as more of a, um, maybe a, uh, you know, not that he's that young, but I think, um, I think he's probably going to be another year or so down the track. So I think, as good as he is, and he, he'll probably dominate for the Magpies and he'll get a few call-ups, I'll, I'll just say fake it for him. But I want to see more of him. Maybe um, Ollie Wines is going to leave and we get pick one and two for this year's draft. <laughs> and, and Attlee will fill his spot next year and we'll have Attlee and uh, Sam Powell Pepper and no more Wines. Yeah, I, don't, I think he can make it, but I think he's going to be faking it in 2018. And what about Jakey exactly. Need? Oh, from what I saw, gee, uh, yeah, fake it. Um, look, he struggled. He's a very good SANFL player. Um, when he gets to the AFL level, when he plays for the power, can be a bit inconsistent at times, but can also be outstanding. So I, I think with, with a lot of the new recruits and with the development of some of these younger guys, I, I'm going to say fake it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think he's faking it too. He's, mm. uh, he has poor early season form and it's uh, it's continuing on. Uh, and the last one, Billy Frampton. Is he going to make it or is he going to fake it? Everyone thought that he was going to be a push for um, the 2018 side. They sent him off to pasture early to get his shoulder worked on, and uh, but we haven't seen much, and Laddams has pushed him front. Yeah, if, if we don't see him, uh, we're playing the Crows in two weeks, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, I think if we... If we don't see him then, and look, let's not put too much into the preseason, but I'm I'm struggling to see Frampton get into the side, particularly, as you say, Laddams was ahead of him, um, didn't make the trip over, and it was a perfect opportunity to bring him into the side. So I'll say I might have to fake it for 2018, and they, they might... Yeah, might be looking at ruck stocks next year. What's interesting is how people have been talking about Howard as a uh, as a defender that could go into ruck. That was the yep. whole argument about Jackson Trengove going forward because they didn't want a defender going into ruck. So uh, it seems to be um, the policy's <laughs> yeah. changed now. Uh, if we go to some big footy questions, the beloved Macca, the, the man of all men that taught Port, the, the people that follow <laughs> him, and they go Rick who, but they, everyone knows Macca, well was me. <laughs> He asked a question, knowing that we want to play fast, play on fast football through the corridor this year, how do you see our ability to get into the corridor and stay there on the weekend? Do you feel the players were too quick to look outside and play down the pockets and wings as opposed to being patient and waiting for something to open through the middle? Okay. When, when we went down the middle, we looked great, but we didn't do it often enough. And yes, you're right, there, there was too much uh, messing around to the side, to the wings, to the, to the flanks. Um, didn't like it. Uh, I think at times, like, yeah, I'll go back to Watts. I did see him move around the middle a bit and try and make himself available. But, you know, when the boys are just taking too long to get it out of the back line quickly, 
Um, it, it's it just made it hard. This is where you know Hamish Hartlett with his booming kick, and this is almost where I think Broadbent could. I'm still got to try and work out who'd come out, but Broadbent could almost get himself back in by by his ability to kick long. Yeah, but Broadbent's going to be a while away, I reckon, with his ankle yeah. injury, and I think it was just a I think it's just a little bit of lack of courage. Um, that's what it comes down to, and I, I guess purpose. I mean, West Coast showed. If you play the ball with purpose, you can actually play around the wing and get the ball um, to the half-forward line. And they did that to us in the final, going around our zone, and they did it again in the pre-season game. And I guess the difference is that we don't have that purpose sometimes and we just sort of stop, start and stop, and then we look aimless and then we try to go back around. And, um, yeah, and I was with you. When we went through the centre... Um, we looked uh, glorious, even though I would still be preferring us to sort of hit, hit up that target um, a little bit shorter instead of just going trying to go 60 and plonking it on top of a forwards or behind them. But, um, yeah, I, look, it's good to play the middle when there's an opportunity, but you can't be too predictable. That's what cost us in 2015 after the great 2014 system uh, season. And Mac also wanted to know where does Barry fit into this season and can they see him pushing into the round one spot? We sort of answered that one, didn't we? Yeah, we did. I, I still, I, I just, uh, yeah, I, I like him. <laughs> I really like him. I think uh, I think Darcy Byrne-Jones could be in trouble. Uh, it's a bit of a controversial one. I know that he's a fan favourite, but last year his form was down and his disposal can be average at times, not great. Um, and Barry predominantly used the ball well in trying conditions and provided a lot of run and carry, which is what Darcy did in his first season. So um, it could be competition's great, and maybe it's going to increase the uh, the hunger for um, Darcy Byrne Jones coming in at the start of the year. Yeah, look, actually, I'll just I'll just say, I mean, the good thing about all this is we we are sitting here struggling to to work out who's who is part of our best 22, which um, fortunately is the coach's decision and not mine, but it, it's a good problem to have. So, yeah, whether it's Darcy or, or someone else, um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I almost think, and and sorry, I, I don't know Macca, and I'm sorry, Macca, but I almost think Don Barry might might be a better player than um, than Carl Eamon. Sorry. There's no, there's no might there. I think there's definitely, and... Uh, yeah. Wow, you must be the only port supporter that doesn't know Macca. You need to just Google yeah. so, Google Soto's fish and chips. Um, another okay. big footy question. Sleazy had an observation. He thought it looked a lot like last year, but he realised there were a couple of key differences. There were far fewer long kicks to nobody in the forward line, easily mm. picked off by the defence, and balanced by more patient short passing that didn't always come off. That was his first observation. And our forward press seemed far less prominent. Not sure if this was by design or through a focus on other things. Mm. At times during the game, I did notice that, uh, particularly in the second half of that third quarter, I'm sure it happened, but I would have been surprised to see, be interesting to see how much time the ball spent in our half because I don't think our forwards got a lot of opportunity because the Eagles managed to press and keep it down their end. Um, You're right, there there were a number of long kicks that that went to our forward line. I think that was part of the question, um, where there was just no one there. We we were lucky at one stage. Schofield was there and he gathered it, but... um, 
Dixon managed to get the free kick and kick the goal, but it, it was only because of a um, only because of a forced error there that that, that happened. So. Yeah, we are going to need to make sure. And, and there were times you, you'd, you'd see, you'd look, and there's no one in, in that half of the field whatsoever. So you, you started to think, hang on, if the ball comes over here, there's nowhere to go. So it's no wonder we were kicking around short uh, because they didn't actually have any targets down there. So, um, yeah, that that side of things wasn't great. It, it wasn't too bad the few times it came off, but, yeah, we didn't see enough of it. Yep, I'm with you. PJ Power, after what round of the season can we express concern about the way we are playing without being called bedwetters or panchers? <laughs> Given the fact we haven't won a flag in 13 years, should any supporter be complacent with the way we are playing at the start of 2018? Well, I, I don't know. That's a bit early. It's, it's, it is still a trial game, but I think uh, round four is enough to be panicking. <laughs> What were you thinking this time last year? I mean, I was thinking we'd played some JLT games. I'm thinking, oh, we're no chance this year, uh, you know, for 2017. And, and you know, look, obviously we, we were pleasantly surprised. Uh, look at the other side of that. Sydney Swans took a while to get going, quite a while to get going. And um, towards the end, people were talking premierships for Sydney. So well, when's the time to panic? Oh, look, you get don't worry about things until maybe I, I sort of don't worry till about two months or so into the season. I'm panicking. Oh, I'm already see, I, panicking. I don't know. I'm wetting I don't the bed. Know. I'm wetting. <laughs> I think we're in trouble. No, I, I reckon, <laughs> yeah. let's let's see how we go after the first couple of games and then. Uh, oh, for sure. I reckon, I reckon there's going to be. I reckon we're going to get banned and from the AFL competition in two weeks' time anyway because I, I can see there's going to be like this. Um, this mass mobbing of the crows at Albanon and um, <laughs> gonna, the AFL is going to have some sort of drastic disciplinary action against the footy club because of our supporter base. <laughs> Bouget wanted to know who will drop out of the 26 to make 22 in round one. He has Thomas, Need, Laddams and Atley. Yep. Uh, a half-back plus someone else will need a drop to make way for Wingard and Rockcliffe. And that's before Marshall... Yeah the Marshall and Howard debate. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Look, I think Thomas need Laddams definitely are going to be in the spotlight. Um, yeah, is, is there anyone okay. else you can think of? Homsch? Did we, did, did we didn't say Homsch, did we? Yeah, I think Homsch uh, will go. We can't carry all four of those yeah. guys. No. I, you know what? I also I don't know that Trengo is he didn't get a mention then either, did he? I, I, I don't think Trengove is in the starting 22. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you, I, you, you know, would prefer to keep Atley at the moment over Trengove, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. Yeah. I would. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I like, yeah, like I said, I like his, I like his, his lower body strength and um, his, his, his ability to get it in the... Uh, under pressure, yeah, he's got a he's got a good strong core, and uh, give him time. Yep. And uh, I mean, it's his third year now, so um, yep. I guess uh, Stephen Motlop's probably not going to make round one now either. You'd think with a calf injury, um, so he might be in doubt as well. Uh, Jake, yeah, Jakey Need, Dan Houston was a bit down on his output, but um, yeah, so I don't Agree. know. I don't know what happened there, but uh, maybe he was playing more of a uh, just a lockdown defender role. 
Um, yeah, you know, Riley Bonner, maybe, maybe not, will be in that starting 22 as well. Uh, he might be a luxury that we, we can't afford at the start of the season. I think, uh, going on last week, uh, um, Adam, he, he, was, he really likes Riley Bonner, doesn't he? Adam, yes, he does. Yeah, no, and look, I see, I see a lot in him as well. I, I, I would like to, you know, sort of guys like him and Atley and that that I, I want to see are still um, are getting a go and getting a run. So I'd sort of, I'd want to keep Bonner in there, and, and I probably more had, uh, yeah, the, the question around um, uh, who was it we said uh, Austin um, Austin. No, sorry, Houston. Houston, Houston. Austin. Yeah, yeah. Houston. <laughs> isn't, isn't Austin? Is, is, isn't Austin? Austin's gone. Texas. It's in Texas. Austin, That's right. Logan Austin's gone to St. Kilda, yeah. so he's no, not going to see I was, I was thinking of places in the US, I think. Ah. Um, yeah, I, no, I was thinking, I sort of thought if I had to, uh, if I had to, there, there, was, um, there was Houston, um, as you'd mentioned him as well. So, yeah, look. Again, as I said before, I'm glad it's the coaches that have to make these decisions because look, our, our depth, I'm, I'm really happy with. Yeah, as long as they play to a good enough standard to win us games, that's uh, that's all that matters. Um, in the chat, we've got Windy Runner. Do we play West off on the wing and drop back a defender or play him as that third tall up front? Um, well, depend. I guess it's going to really depend on whether Marshall's playing as well, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, and... And the opposition and the uh, and the conditions because this is the good thing with Westhoff he's quite versatile and you you can do that. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of round one and whether Freeman will have much of a tall forward line or or not. I can think of Tabin as quite big, but um, yeah, look, I, I don't know. He this is the thing with Westhoff. He was he was doing that the other day. He'd, he'd start you know at times on the ball, in defence, uh, in the forward line. So I don't know. What's interesting is the last question I have here, Robbie for PM says uh, or asks, two of our major issues look like they're going to be forward line pressure and lack of run and carry. Now, yep. I do. we've spoken about the run and carry, and in relation to the forward line pressure, I thought Westhoff and Dixon were actually even like two of our tallest guys at you know, 200 centimetres, they probably applied some of the most pressure in the game in our forward line. They did. Um, oh, look, absolutely, they did. The, the only thing was, I think, at times, that, geez, when the Eagles broke free, they, they looked good. But um, And so maybe there, there needed to be a little bit more pressure down there. But you're right, uh, those guys did work very hard. They, I, I think I mentioned before, uh, you know, even Dixon, with a tackle on Schofield that resulted in a goal. I mean, you, you got these blokes coming at you. Uh, that's got to be scary. So as, as long as they keep doing that, that's good. I even thought Watts, and I said this earlier, I thought Watts uh, is is quite good from a, a pressure or defensive side too. So if he's not on the ball or if he doesn't have the ball, he's very willing to chase and tackle. Yeah. Well, it's a, like you said, it's going to be an exciting uh, round one team. We're going to have a lot of depth there. And I wouldn't worry too much uh, you know, Robbie Gray in there when he's back off the suspension, Chad Wingard and, um, uh, you know, even Sam Gray, who pl- applies a lot of defensive pressure, just can't kick goals very well. Um, they uh, they will pl- they will have a bit of a difference to that uh, forward line pressure from what we've seen on the weekend. Um, I guess, Cameron, thank you very much. 
for coming on your first show. We kept it to just in over an hour, which is amazing for me. So uh, we've done well. I hope you had a good time. Mate, loved it. Like I said, absolutely loved it. And yeah, yeah, you're right. I uh, I, I did a bit the same, um, just trying to make sure we, we filled the hour and I think we did that comfortably. Yeah, now, but <laughs> I, I am really disappointed because uh, I've just missed all of Married at First Sight and I, I don't know what's <laughs> going on. No one's posted any updates in the chat room for me. So uh, I'm very disappointed there. And I guess the good news is we've got... Um, Unless something different happens, Ali Paddy Kyle has confirmed that he will join me um, to, on next Monday to oh, talk, great news to talk all things port. So uh, yeah, another great guest, and I've got to organise a time for Bucky Cunningham, who said he'll come on the show as well. So I think they'll they'll be two great uh, guests, but they're going to have tough tough shoes to follow after um, following yourself, Cameron. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think I'm sure they'll be. Uh, I'm sure they'll be really worried about that, mate. But uh, no, look, thank, thanks heaps for having me tonight. It was uh, definitely great to have a chat with you, and, and really, like I said, love what you're doing. I mean, who wouldn't want to spend an hour sitting around talking about Port Adelaide? So um, no, I really appreciate being a part of it, Rick. Thanks, thanks very much. Too right, mate. We'll uh, we'll speak soon, and thanks everyone yep. for listening in. Thank you. It's deafening at Footy Park. It's like finals footy. Oh. Tretray marks at half board. He's lifted as well, Tretray. Five marks for him this afternoon to the goal square. Chad Corns is the man of the moment. Can't do it this time. Stewie Jew. Right foot. 